You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. I hate to say I told you so, but man, worshiping, there's something about being together with people and worshiping our Savior together in a crowd with other believers. There's something really special about it. And like I said, you know, we've been doing church online, but man, it's good. It's good to be in church, y'all. You know what I'm saying? It's good to be in church. Uh, Hey, today I have a a really simple message that I want to share that God's put on my heart. And I want to talk about the story of Easter. Many people have a good idea of the story of Easter, how um, on Good Friday, Jesus was crucified. He was whipped and beaten and crucified, put on a cross. He died on Good Friday. There was a silence. Saturday, but then on this Sunday morning that Jesus came back to life. And that's what we're celebrating, that Jesus came back to life. Many people know this story, but I want to um, talk about it from a little bit of a more in-depth angle and really show behind the scenes, what does that story mean for you and for me? Because it doesn't matter whether you have been walking with God for a long time, Maybe you came in today and you just got a lot of questions about God and you don't really know where you stand with God. I would pray that today's message shows you exactly what Jesus did for you personally. In fact, I wanna answer some of the questions of what is the resurrection all about? Why was Jesus raised from the dead? And I think here's the, the truth is that if we don't fully understand the meaning of Easter, we will miss out on some of the best things that God has for us. If I don't understand what it means for me personally, I will miss out on some of the best things that God has for us. And here's what I mean. Many people think that Jesus came and he died so that we could get into heaven someday. Like someday in the future, if I I receive Jesus and then he's forgiven my sins and someday I'll get to go to heaven and be in his presence. And that is true, but it's not the whole story. What I wanna talk about today is that he also, Jesus also came and he died and was raised to life so that God could get heaven into you today. It's not just a someday thing. Someday God will do that in my life. Someday God will hopefully show up or forgive me or give me that peace. No, God wants to give you that peace today. He wants to move in your life today. The scripture says today is the day of salvation. And so our key verse today, it's really simple. We're gonna look at it right here. It's 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says this, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be Made, the, made right with God through Christ. We could be made right with God through Christ. That phrase right there, if you have a different translation, it probably says we could have the righteousness of God. In fact, everyone say that to me, say righteousness. We could have righteousness. That's what that word means. Righteousness means right standing with God. Here's what I wanna talk about today. I wanna talk about the exchange. If you're taking notes or if you have your uh, notebook or your phone out at the top, you can just write the exchange. I want to talk about the exchange that took place and can take place in our lives today because of what happened on Resurrection Sunday 2,000 years ago. So point number one is this, the accounts. I want to talk briefly about the accounts. Anybody in here like accounting? Anybody at all? A few people. Good. Okay. Last, uh, the last time I asked that question, not so many people raised their hands. So uh, the accounts, well, I say that's a setup, but we're not actually going to talk about accounting, but we are going to talk about how each of us have a spiritual account in our lives. Whether you know it or not, no matter what age you are, you have a spiritual account in your life. And what our society has done, what we as people do is that we go through our life and we, we label people good or bad 
based on what we think, what society thinks. We think, well, that person's a, a, a good guy. He's a, a good husband. He provides for his family. He, he doesn't, uh, you know, cheat on his spouse. He's a, he's, a, he's a good person. Then we look at other people and we say, well, they're a bad person, right? That guy, is, he's, he's an alcoholic. He, he's an addict. He's abandoned his family. That person is bad. And we go through our lives and we put people in categories. Well, they're good and they're bad. And so here's what I wanna do is I wanna look behind the scenes and talk about where exactly do we fall in those categories? What do our accounts look like? And so here in just a second up here on the screen, I'm gonna put a good person's account, a bad person's account, and then I'm gonna put a perfect person's account. In fact, you can go ahead and put it up here on the screen. Now, the only perfect person to ever live is Jesus. And so we just replaced perfect with Jesus, right? It's just, it's, it, this is Jesus' account right here. We have good, we have bad, and we have perfect, which is Jesus. At the very bottom here, you're gonna see this red S right here, which represents sin or a wrong decision. The R is gonna represent righteousness or a right decision that we make in our lives. And so here's what we do. We look at a good person and we say, well, they've made more right decisions than wrong decisions. In fact, go ahead and put up that next slide right here. So their account would look like this. There's a lot of R's, they've done a lot of good, but nobody's perfect, right, besides Jesus. And so there's a few lies in there. There's a few times where maybe they've lost their temple, uh, temper and they, they cussed somebody out on the way to, to, to work that day. You know, nobody's perfect, right? Nobody knew about it, it was just in the car by myself. Whatever it might be, right? There's a few S's in there, because nobody's perfect. And then the, the bad person would be the opposite of that. They just can't seem to get it right. Everything they touch is a disaster. They continue to make mistake after mistake after mistake, but nobody's all bad. They've squeaked in a few good things, right? They held the door open for that old lady at Walmart that one time. So let's put an R in their account, right? The bad person is the opposite. And then finally, the perfect person. What would Jesus's account look like? It would look like this. Jesus was perfect. It's one huge R, it's just righteous. There's no bad, there's no evil, there's nothing unjust. It is only righteous, only good. He was perfect in everything that he said and did. So here's the reality of the situation. Each of us have an account spiritually right now. And so the question is, where do you fall? Where do I fall in this graph? Maybe you came in today and you'd say, well, I'm a pretty good person. I work hard try to make good decisions, right? I don't cheat on my taxes or nothing like that, right? I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm a pretty good person. You say, that's probably what my account looks like right now. Maybe you came in today and you'd say, Pastor Dan, I, I feel like a bad person. I feel like my account has more S's than R's, more wrong than right, more sin than righteousness. Maybe you feel so heavy with a burden of guilt for how you've lived your life that you say, I don't know, I don't even know what to do. I've done so many bad things. Where do you fall? Here's the trap of our society is this in our culture, is that most of us would say, I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty good person. And here's why, because we would look at our account and there's always someone who's a little bit worse than I am. Right? Like I lie sometimes, but I'm not an addict. So I'm a pretty good person compared to the bad person. Well, I'm not as bad as fill in the blank. And this is the trap of society is that we can go through our life and think we are all good. 
And because I'm good, I don't need anything from God. I'm thankful that he died for my sins. I'm thankful, you know, that Jesus came, but I don't really, you know, I'm doing the best I can and I'm doing more right than wrong. So I'm probably okay. I worked with a guy one time in college and he made this comment to me. He said, you know, I don't really go to church and I'm not really, you know, a Christian, but me and God, we have an agreement. And I remember being a young kid fresh out of high school. And I just remember being like, I don't think, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, dude. Like I, he was like 60 years old telling me this. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to respond to that, but I also, I don't feel like I have the platform to respond to that, you know? And so I, you know, I just, I didn't, I kind of was shell shocked, I think, but I think there's a lot of people we live our life that way. Well, we got it. Me and God will figure it out. I'm more right than I do wrong. But I want to give us a few scriptures here not from our opinion, not from our culture, what our culture says is right and wrong, but from scripture. Where does scripture say about our accounts in the spiritual realm? And the first one is this, James 2.10 says this. This is the living Bible. It says, and the person who keeps every law of God, meaning I do everything right, I'm, I'm doing great, I'm doing good, I'm nearly perfect, keep every law of God, but makes one little slip is just as guilty as the person who has broken every law there is. That's humbling, right? That's not a verse that you, um, that you print out and put above your dining room table as a reminder, right? We don't, we don't do that. This doesn't make me feel too good, Pastor Dan. But this is, what this isn't saying though, is it isn't saying that because I told a lie that I'm a murderer. It's not saying that. The emphasis is this, is that if I have sin, then I'm a sinner. It's, it's bringing the reality and shining the light on my account, showing that if I've sinned, I do need a savior no matter if it's one sin in a hundred righteous acts, the one sin shows me I still need a savior. Here's the opposite side of that. People will say, well, I've done so many good things though. I've done a million things to my one wrong thing. And the other side of it is Isaiah 64 says this, we are all infected and pure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, meaning it's plural, the righteous, the right things that we've done in our life, when we show it, if we could show our, our spiritual count in the physical, when we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags compared to the righteousness of Christ. Meaning this, when we look at those accounts and we had those, all those R's in our account because we're a good person, that R could, rather than stand for righteousness, it could actually stand for rags compared to the huge R that was in Jesus's account. No matter what good I do, if it's not found in Jesus, it is comparatively filthy rags to his goodness. So the question is, or the statement rather, is whether I am good or whether I am bad, I still need Jesus. And that's the reality. You see, we looked at our accounts and we said, man, there's a lot of different actions in there, but the reality of the account is this. You can put up that next slide is that Jesus is righteous, but really compared or showing from God's word, our accounts actually look like this before Jesus, before we receive Jesus. It's just S and I can do a bunch of good things in my life, but if there's one sin, it's sin. Now that's just point number one, okay? So it's gonna get better from here, all right? That's the humbling news, all right? You still with me? Okay, it's, it only gets better from here. Point number two is this, the exchange. And this is what I wanna talk about today the exchange. Because Jesus, our heavenly father looked at that last slide with our accounts and he said, that's a problem. Because with sin, we couldn't be close to Jesus. We couldn't be close to a heavenly father who loves us. And he loves you enough to say, man, they have sin in their life. I must do something about it. 
And this is where the exchange take place, takes place. Let's go back to our, our key verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ, not in our own ability, through Christ. So here's what happened. Let me give you a picture of Easter in our context, looking at our spiritual accounts. 2,000 years ago, God drained the righteousness out of his son's account and he replaced it with your sin and my sin and the sin of the whole world. In fact, go ahead and put up that next slide for me. This is what it looks like now. Imagine if somebody went in today and drained your bank account. It's a serious thing, right? It doesn't feel too good. It's not a good thing. <laughs> and they replaced it with a bunch of debt that you owe. This is what Jesus did for you. God drained his account of all the good and replaced it with your bad. But not only that, this is the story of Easter, is that the precious blood of Jesus washed away all the sins from our account. Because if you notice, the S's came out of our account now. And now I have an empty account. Now I am free. Now Jesus paid a price for my sins so that I can be forgiven. But this is where most people stop with the story of Easter. Jesus forgave my sin, and that is huge. But the encouraging thing is that was step one. He didn't leave your account empty. He replaced it with his righteousness. And here's what happens. When a good person believes in Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus is put into their account spiritually. When a bad person believes in Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus gets put into their account spiritually. So this is what it looks like now. I'm going to put the next slide. The exchange. He didn't just take all the wrong out of your account. No, he did one better. That was step one. Step two is that he replaced it with all of his good, his righteousness, not random righteous acts. Through Christ, we received righteousness is what the scripture says. So here's what's amazing. When we receive, we, we, when this happens, we receive something that we did not deserve and we cannot earn, no matter how much I try, I can't earn it. But after we put our faith in Jesus, when the heavenly father looks at you now, he does not see your sin. Because when the heavenly father looks at you, he sees your account in the spiritual realm. And no longer does he see a huge S that would, would put a block between him and you because he's a just and holy God and he can't be near sin. No, now he sees the righteousness of Jesus. And that's what's amazing. He does not see your sin. He sees your account and your account is full of the righteousness of Christ. So after you put your faith in Jesus, when he looks at you, even though you may continue to fall into sin from time to time. When you ask for forgiveness and you renew that and you fill that account back up with your righteousness, God sees Jesus in you. What amazing love that is. There's no way we deserved that exchange. No matter how hard I would try, no matter how good of a husband, of a father, of whatever I was, I could never deserve the exchange that took place in my account when I put my faith in Jesus. But our God loves you 
that much. And now when I put my faith, whether I'm a good person or a bad person, when I put my faith in Jesus, my account is drained from sin and filled with righteousness. And now I can go to heaven someday which is what? Living in the presence of God after this life is over. Whenever I pass away a long time from now, I get to go to heaven and be with God, my savior. But the opposite is also true. If I don't make this decision, if I don't get filled with his righteousness, then I'm separated from God for all eternity and that is hell. And so the question always comes up, right? Why would a loving God send anyone to hell? I think sometimes when we ask that question, we're missing the point. Because when we understand the accounts spiritually, it gives us insight into what is going on in the spiritual realm. God will never send anyone to hell. Hear me in this. If a man goes to hell, he goes by his own free choice. Because Jesus paid the price for the world's sin. Whether you're good, whether you're bad, no matter what you've done, he says, I, I am paying the price for that. But you have a choice, all of us have a choice on whether I will receive the exchange, not just the draining of my sin from my account, but the refilling with his righteousness. We all have that free choice and that is the difference maker. Hell was created for the devil and his fallen angels, not for man. God never meant that a man should go there. Easter is the story of God doing everything in his power to keep you out of hell and to keep you in his family and his presence in closeness with him. God literally bankrupt heaven and he gave his son to die on a cross to keep you out of hell and in his presence. What amazing love, what amazing love. But God made you with a free will. He made me with a free will. And you can choose the life you live. You can choose to be good. You can choose to be bad. You can choose God or not. You get to make that free choice. But here's what's amazing and I wanna tell you today. You can resist God. You can reject God. You can shake your fist at God and be angry with him. And even despite your rejection of God, he still loves you. And which one of us would do that? None of us, right? Have you ever had somebody that's done you wrong? That's, that's hated you, that's caused havoc in your life, how difficult to love them and to forgive them and to continue to love them and forgive them. But this is what God did for us. And that while we were still sinning, while we were nailing him to a cross, spitting on Jesus, whipping Jesus back, he still loved you and me to see it through. That's the beauty of Easter the exchange, not just the draining and the forgiveness of sin. That is vitally important, but that's not the whole story. When I put my faith in Jesus, I receive his righteousness in my account. Let me make this extra clear. Point number three, and I'll wrap up with this, is the example. The example of this. You see, in the story of Easter, when you read it in all four gospels, there's a sidestep in the story. At least it feels like a sidestep is because you're, you're reading the story and you, you see Jesus go through, tr go through the trial and he's, he's going to the cross and we know that he's gonna be raised from the dead. And we see this whole, this, this timeline taking place. But along the way, there's an opportunity in time where Pilate, who is gonna make the judge the decision on whether he will be crucified or not, he has the decision to release Jesus or not. And in these times, it was custom to release a prisoner to the crowds at the Passover. 
And so we're gonna pick up in Matthew 27, verse 17, it says this. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? In Matthew 27, verse 21, it says, the crowd shouted back, Barabbas, give us Barabbas. And Pilate responded and he said, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? And they shouted back, crucify him. Why? Pilate demanded. What crime has he committed? But the mob roared even more, even louder, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. Verse 26, it says, so Pilate released Barabbas to them and he ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. Then he turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. And growing up, I never understood this. I would read this and I heard this story and I knew it, but I never got it. Like, why? what is happening here? And because I didn't understand it, I, I hated Barabbas. I hated him because I, to, to me, growing up in church and being a young person, even following, trying to follow God. And I'm, I'm looking, I'm reading this story and I just think, Barabbas plays a part in putting my savior on the cross. And I know the big picture, I get it. But in the moment, if you ever saw the passion of the Christ, that movie, and you see this moment take place. And I think to myself, what is wrong with this guy? You see, Barabbas was a murderer. He led an insurrection. He deserved to die. And the crowd knew Barabbas. He wasn't a random prisoner. They knew him. They knew his reputation. I think to myself, what's wrong with this crowd? What has Barabbas done? He's killed, he's murdered, he's led an uproar. What has Jesus done? Heal, bring life, set free, bring hope, bring freedom, bring the kingdom of God from heaven to earth. This exchange is not right and it's not just in any way that I can make it out in my mind. But friends, I'm here to tell you today, this is the story of Easter for you and for me. Barabbas deserves death, but he gets to go free. Jesus deserves to live, but he is put to death. The exchange. And many theologians believe the cross of Jesus very well could have been meant for Barabbas that day because he was going to be put to death. And growing up, I didn't get it. Why? What's the deal? Like this is about, this is the story of Jesus. Why are we talking about Barabbas? Why does he even mentioned in the story of Resurrection Sunday in this whole process from Good Friday and Easter, why do we give him the right to be mentioned? And a few years ago, I was listening to a pastor and he brought insight to this. And I sat there for a second and I weeped and I was in tears. And I asked God to give me the revelation as well. I said, God, help me understand. And here's what God reminded me of is though I hated Barabbas because I felt like Barabbas was part of the reason Jesus went and paid such a horrible price and a huge price for me. God reminded me and he showed me that I am Barabbas. Barabbas is me and Barabbas is you. Because if I've sinned once, I've, I've, I've fallen short. 
and I don't deserve to have eternal life. I don't deserve to have salvation. I don't deserve to get to go free and not pay for what I've done. But Jesus shows up and I look at him and I can put myself in the shoes of Barabbas and I see Jesus and I think I deserve the humiliation. I know what I've done wrong. No matter how many people know it or not, I know the things that I've done. I deserve humiliation and Jesus says, give me your shame. I deserve the guilt and Jesus says, give me your guilt. I deserve the punishment and Jesus says, go free. I deserve death and Jesus says, go live your life. This is why our God is so amazing. It's because every other religion, every other God will tell you, you need to die for me to show that you're committed. And our God looks at you and he says, I've already died for you to show you I'm committed. Go free, live your life, make your choices, follow me. What's tough about Barabbas is this, there's no doubt that Barabbas would have looked at Jesus when he was being released and he saw Jesus beaten and bloody and he still chose to go his way. And what happens with Barabbas? We don't know. We have no record of what Barabbas chose to do after this incident. Did he make the most of his life? Did he change his way? Did he go back to his sin and his thug buddies and continue to live unrighteously? What was the outcome of this exchange that took place? We don't know. But when I see Barabbas and I see myself in his shoes and I realize that's me. I don't deserve it. I couldn't earn it. There's nothing I can do to earn my way into heaven. Only Jesus and only his blood forgiving me and cleaning my account and putting himself and his righteousness in its place could get me into the presence of a holy God. And when I understand that, I don't know what happened to Barabbas, but I know what's going to happen with me. I choose Jesus. I, Lord, fill my account with your righteousness. I can't earn it, but I can't even begin to wrap my mind around the love of someone that would do that for me, even though I've let him down time and time and time and time and time again. And so the question for you today is this, what's your decision? Whether you've been walking with God for a long time or maybe today you, did, you came in, you don't even know. You don't know where you stand with God. You don't know what your account looks like. You just know it's got S in it, it's got sin. This is the truth of the moment we are in. This is the truth of the story of Easter, that God loved you enough to send Jesus, not only to wash away your sin and clean your account, make it pure, yes, but to replace your sinful account with his righteousness, if you will believe. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a second? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. We come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for loving us while we were sinning, while we were far from you, while we were nailing you to a cross, you loved us. You could have stopped at any moment and you said, no, I'm gonna see it through. For the joy set before you, you saw it through so we could have salvation so that today, thousands of years later, we could have hope in you in a living God, in an active God. 
And Lord, today I pray just for each of us as we've come in and as we take a moment to reflect on our spiritual account, whether we feel good about ourselves, whether we feel bad about the life and the decisions we've made, Lord, I pray that you would remind us of your word and your truth is that we can't earn it tomorrow, no matter how much I try to be good, my goodness and my righteousness, my right standing with you is found in youth through Jesus. So Lord, I pray that today, if, we've, if anyone in here is walking close with you, I pray, Lord, that it would be a reminder for them to have a grateful heart for what you've done, that they have a full account of righteousness, not because of them, but because of you. I pray for anyone in here right now, Lord, that if they are, maybe they're far from you and their account is full of sin, I thank you that your blood is still powerful, it's still working and it's still active. I pray that today you give them the boldness to seek forgiveness, to pursue repentance. Your word says, if we will come near to you, you will come near to us. Help them take a step towards you so they can experience everything you have for them. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out abidechurch.com.